Hello and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. My name's Trudy Smith. I'm the manager of Continuing Professional Education. We welcome back to term three, and we've been really talking a lot in the last few months about online training and support for clients as well. And we want to take a slightly different focus today. So I'm delighted to have David Brady with us. For those of you who don't recall David's last session or haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please, Dave? Thank you, Trudy, and I'm really pleased to be um, on the podcast. And um, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Here For You. So my role is basically uh, oversee and support um, mentoring programs for teenagers with a hearing loss. Um, what I mean by teenagers, we're talking 12 years old onwards um, to probably mid-20s. Uh, we are now moving into young adults, um, especially in some of the teenagers have grown up and they want to get their skills. So uh, we here for you is very focused on development of life goals and skills um, with peers of their age, but also we support young adults who have a hearing loss and been there before. And we've been around since 2008 and here for you have been evolving. And I'm really excited to share, hopefully what we're going to be uh, doing the next few uh, years. And because our previous conversation, we talked about the importance of mentoring for teens and, and, and providing that support structure. And during COVID, I'm sure that the need to provide that support has continued and perhaps maybe even increased. So tell us about the programs that you've been offering to teens. Yeah, we've, um, we have been stunted by COVID like a lot of people um, as a charity, as a for-purpose organisation. Um, we couldn't do any face-to-face workshops. Uh, we also found that you know, the teenagers uh, and the young adults want to do online uh, mentoring. And it was basically an opportunity for us. If you've always had plans to do online programs, we've never been forced to do it. And what COVID has done is actually forced um, myself and my team to move a whole online programs forward and replace them. Um, the online uh, replacing the face-to-face workshop which we had planned and had to postpone so and that's the interesting it's a really really interesting challenge so um yeah going online it's brought up a whole lot of uh challenges i'm i'm sure and, and people who listen to my podcast regularly know that i regularly talk about accessibility but let's talk about that so what are some of the things that you've had to do when moving online to support the student the, the teenagers yeah, the, the first part is finding the right platform. Uh, there are plenty of platforms out there and my team and I, in the first week or two of the lockdown, which we like to call March, March, the lockdown month, <laughs> uh, it's just basically we had to discover and work out which program is works very fluently, it's stable, yeah. and also can incorporate third-party captioning. The captioning is first priority for us because 90% of our... Um, Teenagers, people come to us, uh, usually use their devices, but captions will help them uh, understand what's happened. So when we got to that established, we established what the platform will be. We also had to look at what's the most safest platform, what can be recorded, and what can be uh, the most flexible um, in terms of downloading, using, and accessing. So we have settled on the platform, um, which is probably, uh, can't really name it for commercial purposes, uh, but the most important thing is we found the right platform and we found good third party providers uh, who understood and worked with us using the platform to provide the mentoring workshops. The next challenge was actually, there was no playbook 
for um, online programs. So we basically had to design our own on the run. So it was probably the most uh, scary and exciting time for myself and my team. Uh, just to, we had to do a lot of work with the teenagers. So we basically opened up communication with parent sessions. Uh, we had some like 40 to 50 parents come online, had a chat about what's happening, right. um, how they could, they're, they're coping and what they're doing yeah. and what sort of platform and what sort of workshops that they see as for their teenagers. And then we also talked to the teenagers, mentors themselves, and then we settled on quite a number of different offerings, which we basically, being an agile team, we, we, we are, we've always kind of been agile, is to experiment, to test, and do it rather than do um, a big work in progress, put it out and no one comes. Now that's quite normal in the world of teenagers. <laughs> yeah, well, teenagers, you can never count on them, can you? <laughs> it is very normal. Um, so when we had our first workshop, so the, the ones we started off with is community catch-ups. Yeah. So the, that was the first priority for us in this situation uh, for here for you is we were outreach uh, to enable teenagers who are here in loss to reach out, to come to us, to connect with their peers, connect with um, our mentors. Uh, it's more important because uh, a lot of them at the time, and even now uh, with the threat of the second lockdown, um, especially in Victoria is happening right now, is they can't really interact with the mainstream community, uh, their school friends. And the biggest challenges we found and the feedback we had was that um, when you go to an online world, you can actually choose who you want to interact with. You, you, the whole um, concept of the classroom, playground, events, um, sports experience where you meet new people every day, you have to adapt and adjust and um, you find your new friends or new contacts um, has disappeared. It's actually now very closed groups. It's very um, kind of restrictive. It can be very isolating. And also for a lot of the teenagers, a lot of the um, group apps are very, very hard because you're talking about a situation where, like for example, there's an app on uh, the teenagers, their friends are using with multiple people on the screen and they're all talking over one another. For a deaf or a hard of hearing person or using a hearing device, they're actually hearing not just through their device, but they're hearing through two devices. So when the mainstream that you have good hearing you're actually on the you know, video platform you're actually hearing through a device that's a microphone and a receiver um, for a deaf teenager it's a you double trouble so you got both devices so you think about all the complexity you can't hear in a normal conversation online and then you add the hearing loss on top and that was a major challenge we had when we were setting up the workshops and we had to set up a lot of ground rules. Um, and the ground rules, like for example, only one person speaking at a time. Yeah. Uh, the captions, we have to wait for them to finish. <laughs> how do you manage that? Do you have you point? Do you say their names? What, how do you manage an excited group of teenagers and say one at a time? Well, it's pretty straightforward. They're very, you know, it's really interesting. They're very good using the chat in the chat bars or anything like that. Um, it's just so quick, like they actually chat faster than they talk, which is probably uh, uh, on the chat bar. Um, but the thing was really interesting, we'll put some ground rules, like you put your hand to the, um, the camera um, and that means you want to talk uh, or you have a point um, or use um, certain um, clues. Um, 
or the mentors themselves are facilitating. We train the mentors to be more of a leaders. And this is something else I'll add to a bit later on about mentors and their development, which is really important as well. But with the uh, teenagers and the workshops or the programs online, is um, we actually make sure every teenager has to say. So if there's five, all five will be asked how you're feeling, what do you want? And then we ask post questions and you'll find that in each one of them, you might get the occasional chatterbox, which is fantastic. And then you've got the really quiet ones and the really quiet ones, the ones that we try to bring in into the conversation. And um, the feedback we had from the parents, guardians, uh, and even the teenagers themselves was that, you know, they were given an opportunity to be heard. Uh, whereas in their normal, group situation and even in the classroom they just never had a chance because the other students would just talk over the top of them and yeah. we just because we don't have the, the visual clues anymore it's just a 2d instead of a 3d 4d environment so yeah it's a really interesting challenge so we managed to get it all done which is uh really i'm really proud of my team actually getting that done and also some mentors stepping up and now we've got a full-on online program. So we've got life, golf, and skills. But I, I just want to, I want to shelve that and, and just come back to, to your mentors because I think yeah. I want to talk about what you've done with your mentors because I think there's real learning for educators in what you've learned about how you manage conversations when there's a deaf teenager that's part of that. So talk to me about the work you did with your mentors. Yeah, uh, that's really important because uh, it's one of the things we, keep, we forget when we're online, um, especially when a lot of us are working in our home environments um, and working from a different place. Uh, the, you don't have all of the, uh, the uh, what, what we like to call, um, I think in our census, a lot of uh, hard of hearing people actually find the census. We know when someone wants to speak or when they, when someone's not happy, they're sad or something like that. I think you just got to look at your pets for clues. Um, it actually works out very well. So we kind of got that sense there. I think for educators need to understand that uh, it's more about management of the, the room or the Zoom room or the virtual room or what do you want to call it. Um, so, Basically, um, the way we set the rules is uh, you need to somehow like roster each one to speak, uh, not in the same order, but usually you get a little checklist and you tick off each name and you make sure everyone got the same number of ticks uh, as someone having to speak. Um, and also for the, the, the person with a hearing loss, the student with a hearing loss in the room, uh, basically wait for the caption because you'll remember um, if you do have caption or even with an interpreter, you have to give that lag of three to four seconds before you jump off the next thing. So you might have to speak a little bit slower or speak with more pauses. Um, it's probably a good thing because it actually allows even the students who can hear who might be struggling after a whole day of getting online or they're just, they're just literally can't be in the room. Uh, I think it's the main thing is the first, first piece of advice is slow down break it break up the conversation and make sure that every participant in the room is heard and given a chance but even if i just if any of you go um hi can you just say something so you can just put a rule you have to say something if you don't want to say something uh just say well i have nothing to say or i'm good for now it's very important for them to say something 
or indicate something because that means they're mentally they're actually with you. If they're not saying anything, then that actually could bring some doubts that we don't know if they've actually heard us. Yeah. Uh, the thing that also we try to make the number one rule is you don't blank your screen. So you actually know you're actually watching and what's happening. <laughs> not actually on your phone or, yep. Yes, yeah, well, I mean, they can multitask. I mean, they all like to do that. I refuse to believe they can do that. Uh, and the other, one of the um, one of our teenagers, uh, Rig Smart, he thought of very smart going and uh, just listening. And he and instead of his name, he put reconnecting. So when he goes blank, <laughs> oh, that's genius. <laughs> so we're all sitting there watching, uh, reconnecting. Are you there? It's like. And it suddenly appeared like you're scared. It's like you jumped out of a box. Very funny. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess it's that that reminder, isn't it, that that, that they are well ahead of us in the game of technology. Yeah. You've got to remember these... Yeah, and the thing is to remember is it's okay to ask the teenagers um, for advice and tips on technology because they live and breathe it every day. Um, It is their life. and, And look... Today's 13-year-old has 90% more technology application than anyone who um, is uh, parents or teachers or anybody nowadays. So it is okay to ask them because they often experiment. They often look for new ideas. They all like it. Um, It is quite um, normal for them. But I think for a teenager with a hearing loss, just doing those additional things like providing an interpreter they needed, sorting out the uh, captioning, uh, or trans- transcripts, another good one as well, because sometimes cap- captioning a transcript allows them, if they're feeling a bit left behind, it kind of, they can just remember what that somebody... And I always say that the importance of a transcript, even if you've got hearing students in the room, is a chance for them to review the content as well in case there's something they've missed as well. So it's really about having everyone engage on the same basis, isn't it? So if you're providing it for the deaf student, provide it for everyone and that every, then no one can say, oh, I didn't hear that. I, I wasn't aware of that because they've all got it in writing. Yeah, and that's, that's very true. And also the fact that if you go to any of the big social media companies, they've all done their data and research and that's at 85% switch on closed caption on their videos. Now, that's not 85% of hard of hearing or deaf people. That's 85% of anybody. So especially the demographics, anyone over the, under the age of 25, I think got up to 90% or 95%. If you don't have captions, they won't, they won't even watch a video or they won't get the message. So they do live in a world where if you do have a caption and you have a transcript, they will engage a lot more. From an educator's point of view, uh, especially when you're online, it actually saves you time. Um, I do know the frustrations. Um, if somebody was uh, talking and then they, and then one of your students or a colleague drop out, the best thing is a transcript because it's nothing worse than having to repeat three minutes. You say, oh, you dropped out. Um, they don't need to uh, ask. They just go straight to transcript and they're back into the, the conversation or the, uh, the course. Yeah, that's a good point. So we've talked about the mentoring, but you were referring before about all of the other sort of offerings that you have now online. So let's, let's talk more about those. So what are the uh, other programs that you've been offering? Yeah. Thanks for that. So basically uh, apart from the community catch up, we've uh, moved to doing life goals and skills online. 
which is basically uh, just some basic mentoring, very short, uh, one or two hours. We realise you can't do any longer than that. Um, we've also recently just finished a filmmaking uh, with the teenagers. Um, that's just a 10, 10 sessions over uh, seven weeks, uh, seven weekends, which is actually, oh, they loved it. Uh, I don't know how it happens, but they actually loved it. Um, we've also been doing... Uh, moving into the things like uh, we have parent sessions uh, with psychologists uh, and um, mentors to talk about their journey. And we had a few parents to join in that. And that was quite interesting. The new things we're actually adding on is the concept of skills. Uh, because if you, we do life goals and skills. And aside from the social um, leadership and teamwork and the real the mentoring about their life experiences, we're now focusing on the skills and enabling the teenagers to have the opportunities to learn about jobs for the future. So things like coding, yep. um, illustrated design, robotics, which is um, really interesting. Um, and there's a whole series of things like creative user experience. Um, a lot of these, uh, we thought was that at first, um, you know, when the teenagers suggested that to us, we thought, oh, this can't be real. And then they said, oh, well, why not? So we, this is uh, an opportunity. And the other thing is we actually do get qualified trainers to come and support it. And then we provide the um, accessibility. Then we have young adult mentors who are in that sort of area of expertise joining in. So they got some money to refer to as a role model uh, while they're doing that. Um, and the feedback we've had from the teenagers and their parents was this is absolutely fantastic. It's in addition to the school curriculum. Yeah. It's not a place in school. It's just like um, when I was young, I had my parents made me do, uh, you know, extra biology or history or tutorials outside school because I couldn't miss things to school. Um, so what we're offering is opportunity to add things. So STM, like those coding and things like that, they they have a passion for it. Um, if we can provide it, and we'll do it. And because at the end of the day, we're trying to create an opportunity opportunity for these teenagers to reach their full potential. Absolutely, I think it sounds fantastic. What sort of numbers are you, and is it is it all around Australia that you're getting kids getting involved, or is it more localised? Uh, well, we're online, so it's all over Australia. We don't recognise any boundaries, yep. um, which is great. We had I love that about online, we... the, the breakdown of <laughs> geographic barriers. I love it. Yep. Well, we we do have to be mindful of the timing. So the reason why sometimes we start at six o'clock or. Uh, seven is when you're in Perth, that means it's four o'clock or three o'clock. So we're very conscious of the, the, you know, the only barrier we have is timing. Um, we actually try and do it in the weekdays and also on the weekend. Uh, the challenge we have in the weekends at the moment in this environment is we don't know when sport's back. We know a lot of our teenagers, they love their sports. So we're trying to fix a more friendly time. Um, but also when there is lockdown, we put a online program in there so they have something to do and assess. And I think that's really, really important. Just giving them those options. And I think the parents' feedback we get was um, if you can provide something, then they got something to go to because often they'll be busy playing a video game, they'll be watching Netflix or one of those TV programs, or uh, they're not really socialising, interacting. And I think that's what we're there for. Yeah, no, very important. So the big question is, when we all, at some point, go back to normal, hmm. will you continue with these programs? What's normal? That's the question. <laughs> well, that's the question, isn't it? It's, is, this the, is this the new normal? Is this, do you think the, uh, the popularity of this means that 
this will be something that you always do now? Well, the plan is we will, we are going to continue our online programs. Um, it's going to be important because what we also found that the online program breaks, there's no boundaries. So for someone say in Outback Armidale or um, in the middle of um, Australia and Alice Springs wants to reach a mentoring program, we can do it. They can get online and work with us. The technology is there. Um, the, the captionings is there and we can naturally do it. Uh, and the teenagers themselves, this is their world. Uh, we're also, we'll be, we are moving back into um, pending how we're going with the current situation is uh, into face-to-face programs. So we will do that. And we do find it really, really important. This is what um, a really big message for a lot of educators out there is that if you is there, we're basically our face-to-face about allowing these teenagers to re-engage, to relearn all the social skills they need to, to understand the tips of how to get back in touch with their friends, how to actually meet people again. Um, you've got to remember that they've been locked away, they've been shut offline, they don't know what, you know, the reality. Uh, and if we, we actually give them the opportunity, the other thing is the reality is um, going back to the playground situation, going back to the classroom situation where they have to use their FMs or they don't have to use their FMs and all those little tips and tricks. Um, we, for me, I see the big challenge ahead is the retraining, the re, the getting back to the comfort zone, to get that confidence back. Um, I, you know, being online is one thing, but getting back out there is another. And that's what um, really, really important um, that we want to offer in our face-to-face programs going forward. Yeah. Oh, look, it sounds great. We're going to put a link to your website in the show notes so people can access that. And of course, when we talked about accessibility, we always provide a transcript for these webinars as well so that everyone will be able to access it. But it sounds fantastic, Dave. Thank you for providing this resource, you and the team. It's been amazing to watch. And thanks so much for your time today.